Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by MJ Clausen with the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month. Thanks so much for being here, MJ. Thank you, Erin. Great to be here. Before we get started, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you and your background. MJ has been working in the mental health field for 16 years. She's a licensed professional counselor, professional in human resources, and certified peer recovery support specialist. MJ currently serves as the Director of Recovery Support Services at the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, where she works with peer recovery support and wellness training specialists, as well as the Employee Assistance Program, which provides help to many state employees across Oklahoma. MJ, as I was getting ready for this podcast, I was thinking how fitting it is that May is Mental Health Awareness Month because this time of year can be so stressful and overwhelming for many of our families. I know I've got kids that are doing state testing right now. The end of the school year is coming up and we just have a lot of events and obligations this time of year. So I know I'm personally very interested in this answer. What are some ways families can reduce their stress in the short term? Yeah, Erin, it is a really stressful time. And the the thing that came to mind for me in terms of just a short-term, something that we can do today, we can let go of perfection. We can just usher that to the door and wave goodbye. Um, we're doing our best. We're all doing our best. Um, and I think remembering that we are modeling behavior for the kids in our lives and um, they do take their, their cues from us in terms of how to encounter stress, how to interact with stress, how to deal with it. And so sometimes I think it can be something as simple as let's take three deep breaths together while we're sitting at this stoplight. Um, I took a few deep breaths before jumping on here to join you today. It had been a busy morning and running from, from thing to thing. And there are lots of breathing techniques out there that you can, you know, research and practice and that's all great, but really our breath is always accessible to us. And it's something that we can simply tap into and take some deep breaths. Now I used to roll my eyes at people who would say, just breathe, just take a deep breath. I mean, you want to get me revved up. If I'm already revved up, tell me to, you know, just, just take a breath. Right. Um, we can roll our eyes at it. It does actually work there. Um, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, we already know, um, we already know the things, right. It's just actually, actually doing, um, doing these things. And so, um, yeah, something as simple as that, I think can, can, can be a short-term, um, lowering of stress. You are, um, spot on. I used to be an eye roller about breathing techniques too. And, um, at some point realized how helpful they were for my kids and so now sometimes they will even say to me, mommy, do you need to stop and take a breath? Which also makes me roll my eyes, but they are right. <laughs> so 
we've had good conversations in my house about different breathing techniques that they each like some that I didn't even know about that maybe their teacher taught them at school or their counselor. Um, so you are absolutely right. We, we know to do that. Sometimes we forget in, in the heat of the moment or in our stress, but I, I'm a believer too, um, that it, it, when I can remember to stop and take a breath, it, it's very effective. Um, let's talk too about some long-term options, uh, effective coping strategies or, or just mental wealth wellness strategies that we can practice as a family to improve our mental health all year long. Yeah. And again, these are things that we know. I mean, I would love to come across research that sh would show that we could increase our overall wellness if we watched more television, um, uh, binge more shows, something something like that. Um, the, the research is just not, not there for that. So it's all the things that we know around um, physical activity, nutrition, exercise, of course, and um, getting good sleep, you know, getting good sleep is, is, is critical. So I think as, as a family, as we look at long-term strategies and ways to decrease our stress, because when we're in the midst of a month like May, with all of the things going on, that's not really necessarily the time that we want to um, take up a new habit or start a new routine, right? But you might just jot something down if you have an idea about, about a longer term strategy, but to meet together as a family and really decide kind of what, what you might want to pick up. And it's just a, a, a habit at a time. It's not something that has to be done all at once, but spending more time together might be um, a goal, you know, increasing that communication. And I think overall too, increasing social supports. I think a lot of our families are, um, isolated and this is going to come up probably more than once today but just being able to connect with um for parents to be able to connect with other parents and for for kids to be able to connect with other kids so figuring out a way to increase those social supports those are all aspects of um overall wellness and a concept that really helped me out a lot is instead of striving for that 100%, you know, and then we hit the drive through one night and we're, we're, we're terrible parents, right? Um, no, that's not the case. So we don't need to abandon the whole plan because we hit the drive through one night for dinner, but it more of a goal of, you know, if we can hit it 80 to 85% of the time, that's great on all these things, 80 to 85%. We're not, we're not looking for every single moment of every day or every single day. Um, but those are, you know, there's great information, um, on our website, on, um, many websites, the, um, the national institutes of health has a great emotional wellness checklist and, again, binging shows is not on there. I wish it were, but it's all your usual suspects of, um, you know, reducing stress, getting quality sleep, um, eating nutritious foods, uh, let's go take a walk, you know, um, I, I have a friend and, and that's pretty much their solution to almost anything that you would say, you know, let's go, let's go take, let's go take a walk. And there's, there's, there's very, uh, there are a few things in life that aren't going to seem that much better after a walk, but a lot of things, um, just like the deep breathing, um, you'll feel a little bit better equipped to deal with whatever, um, whatever is in, in front of you. So, um, so those are, those are some things that, that we could look at for, 
long-term strategies, implementing some new routines. Um, and again, it's not about hitting that 100% mark, but 80 to 85%, we're doing great. That is a message that all parents need to hear on repeat. This is not about perfection. Um, me too. And I, like you said, when when we're operating in that mindset, that's such um, a great way to model that for our kids too, that they don't need to be perfect and uh, that we're all operating in this world, not at the level of perfection. So uh, I know I talk to my kids about that a lot, but it's a lot more effective when I am modeling it and not just saying it to them. There's still a lot of stigma around mental health. And one of the things I think parents can do to counteract that is to reduce the stigma first in our own homes with our own kids. So how can we normalize talking about our mental health, caring for our family's collective mental health in our homes so that our kids hopefully don't grow up with the same stigma? Great question, Erin. Yeah, a lot of stigma does still surround um, mental health. And I think that can be a real barrier for folks to reach out for help, um, which I think we'll touch on later. But we really need to talk about mental health as we would um, physical health. So that that really helps to normalize it. These um, mental health issues that, that we encounter um, and substance use issues, if we if we encounter substance use uh, issues, these exist in the brain. The brain is part of our body, and so we really can do a lot to normalize mental health by just talking about it in that way, and and really cueing into the language that we use, so that we don't let any of that. Um, Oh, that that the moral models from the past where we had it wrong, where we thought it was about willpower or um or or something of that nature. You know, we really need to talk about it as if, you know, we go to our therapist to gain some new tools for our for our coping uh toolbox, the same as we would go um to the emergency room if we had a broken arm, um, to the doctor to manage a diabetes condition or or anything else. So I think again, um feels a lot of times like our kids are um, completely ignoring us, oblivious to anything that we would say or do, but um, they're not. They really are taking their cues from what we, you know, what we model and, and how we talk about things, how we talk about other people outside the family, inside the family, um, and, and that sort of thing. So it really does matter um, what language we use and how we um, how we talk about mental health in, in our home, because we, we are going up against a thing that still does exist in, in society in terms of stigma. And we've made a lot of progress. We just, we just have some more, um, some more work to do around that. That's a great question. We do. And I think, um, you know, talking about our feelings with our kids. I know that oftentimes I'm trying to draw out of my kids. How are you feeling about this? And what, you know, what emotion are you feeling? And at some point I'm always like, oh, that means I have to, you know, developmentally appropriately share what emotions I'm having, or my husband has to share with them um, that he's feeling sad or frustrated. And once um, we as parents, I think, get more comfortable with that, those conversations, um, I know in my house, I see that my kids are like, oh, okay, this is normal. And, and I can talk about it. Um, 
So often such a great, that is such a great point. That is such a great point. Being vulnerable and talking about our own, talking about our own feelings about things can really go a long way um, with, with, uh, with those kinds of conversations. So that's, that's wonderful. It's hard when you like, you want your kids to, to do a certain thing or behave in a certain way. And then you're like, Oh, right. As the parent, I kind of also have to do that. So I know it's challenging, but, um, I, I can see the benefits of my own kids when I do stop and, and intentionally talk with them about my feelings too. Uh, I want to talk about warning signs. And first, let's talk about adults. What are some warning signs we need to be aware of in um, our adult family members and our friends or in ourselves um, that someone is dealing with anxiety, depression, or some other common mental health struggles? Yes, warning signs in adults. And these are some general warning signs. So we want to remember that everybody's different. Um but but some some general warning signs in adults um, that there might be um, you know that we might need to 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 reach out, avoiding friends or social activities, um, changes either increase or decrease in in our eating and sleeping habits, extreme mood changes, um, misusing substances, and inability to carry out daily activities. That's that's a big one. That's when we're really getting into something that's interfering with our ability to to function in in daily life we, we we really don't want to wait till we get to that point but um because that can be the distinguishing characteristic in a lot of our mental health disorders is that inability to um that decreased functioning or inability to to function in daily life because things can be so individualized we want to ask and we have trainings here at the Department of Mental Health that will skill you up if you feel unskilled, that will skill you up in how to ask these questions. Um, but we, we want to really ask those questions in a, in a meaningful way. And um, whether we're talking about adults or kids, just, just what you were talking, Erin, about um, how you talk with your kids, a lot of times just, just tuning into how we feel about something, you know, oh, we're coming out of this sort of extreme time and everybody sort of seems all over the place. And some people want to go back to the way things were. And some people want to keep some things that some ways that we've been doing some things and just feeling sort of overwhelmed by all of it. You know, um, a lot of times talking about how we feel can then lead into the door opening for a friend of ours, you know, a fellow parent to talk about what, what they're experiencing as well. And, and that sort of thing. But, you know, ask, ask the person um, how they're, how they're really doing um, is, is, is the biggest, is the biggest tip of all, because, you know, I'm someone who I, a lot of us are just really good at faking it. And, um, and so the signs, the signs can just be different for everyone, but, um, but those are some of the general signs to look out for in adults. What are some ways that we can kind of creatively, um, authentically ask someone, are you doing okay? Because like you said, I think most of us, our initial reaction all the time is to say, I'm fine. Everything's fine. So how do we get, how do we break past that barrier with our loved ones? Yeah. 
Well, I think getting that convert, you know, getting that conversation started um, and, and, and instead of the sort of perfunctory, you know, how are you? How's your day? Um, there are, again, lots of information online about this, um, but I actually just came across an article the other day about eight different questions to ask instead of how are you, you know? And so it had things on there like what's what's been on your mind lately? Um, you know, what's going, what's going right for you these days, or, um, just getting sort of more specific in the kinds of questions that we ask to open up that dialogue. Um, with kids, I had, I had, um, been thinking about talking with you today and I was thinking, you know, with our kiddos, we know how those go, right? You know, how was your day? Fine. You know, what'd you learn in school? Nothing. And so there were these, there were these great questions that I came across to specifically for kids, you know, but I think they work for, they work for adults as well, but things like, you know, um, what do you know today that you didn't know yesterday? What was the best thing that happened? What was the most creative thing you did? What was your least favorite part of the day? Did you do something kind for someone? Teach me something you learned. Um, did anything happen that helped you feel, you know, and then insert here, sad, happy, worried, you know, that sort of thing. So, so just getting a little bit more um, specific in how we, how we ask those questions. It, it does take a little bit of slowing down and it does take a little bit of asking ourselves, um, do we really want to hear the answer? Because I, I know so often with our kids, um, with anyone we care about, we really want we know what we want the answer to be. And so um, as a professional, I've assessed for suicidal thoughts many, many times. Um, the hardest times that I've done that have been um, with people who are very close to me and people I care uh, deeply about. And even though I had the experience of asking it so many times professionally, when I, when I did um, have to ask a loved one that question, I almost asked it the wrong way. I almost did the, the leading the witness thing where it's like, well, you're not thinking about doing this, are you, you know? And so, cause you, so you know what you want the answer um, to be. So to ask those questions, to really then allow space for the answer um, and, and to just get, get curious about what the other person is experiencing, whether that person is a child or an adult, um, but really, really ask the question and then allow the space for that, for that answer and, and, and know that there's help available too. I think sometimes we're afraid about how the, the question might be answered because then, then what are we going to do. So we're, we're going to talk about some, some resources and things as well, but there is, there is help available. And, um, and, and so get that conversation started. That's so helpful. I think part of, um, oftentimes our, our fear or our uncertainty is we don't even know how to start the conversation, much less what we do next. So that's so helpful to have that direction. And those um, ideas of questions were great. Um, I love that. 
let's talk about warning signs for our kids. Um, I know oftentimes anxiety, depression, even suicidal thoughts, those don't always present like we might expect for kids. And there's certainly some crossover for warning signs for adults, but sometimes those warning signs for kids can be different. So what are the things that parents need to be aware of or warning signs that, that we may not you know, know are warning signs? Yes, yeah, so there are some similarities. You're absolutely right. And then um, for our kids, it, it can sometimes manifest in um, rather than expressing, you know, sadness or 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 worry or increased anxiety, it might manifest in headaches or stomach aches. Um, you know, avoiding school, behavior outbursts, hyperactivity, nightmares, you know, also ask, 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 ask your kids. But then I think too, you know consulting, consulting with a mental health professional. Um, I think what's, what's so challenging with kids is all of these things can be part of a completely um, benign developmental stage as well. Right. And so, um, so to, 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 to find that out um, and, but yes, the, the warning signs can, can look different in kids and then um, oh, I heard a description not too long ago that you sort of get a new kid every year, you know, because you, <laughs> it's the same child, but with the changes in development that happens, we sort of have a new person all of a sudden. So, um, so consult, you know, reach out, consult with a professional. Um, that's another reason why it's so great to have, uh, those social supports, um, with people within your within your circle that you can that you can openly and honestly talk with and and kind of you know do some reality testing with oh this is what we're seeing over here is that do you does that seem you know um that can be really helpful too that's great advice and you are right that you do get a new kid every year and the other frustrating thing is you have multiple kids and they are all different it was not something I was all different prepared for. Um, and I have shared this before on our podcast, but I deal with anxiety. All three of my kids deal with anxiety. We all present differently. And mm -hmm. you would think by the second kid who was dealing with anxiety that I would have just immediately known that's what that was. And I didn't because the signs were so different than they were for my older child and for me and different again for my youngest child. So um, I, you're absolutely right. I just think it's so important to be um, cognizant of those behaviors or those physical presentations that our kids usually have with something like anxiety or depression, headache, stomach ache. Um, I, I think that's so important. And it's important to know too, that it can look really differently for every person and having those connections, whether it's with a therapist or your kid's pediatrician and just asking those questions, um, anytime you have concerns, um, is okay. And I think parents yes. need to feel like it's okay to ask those questions. Yes. And not have all the answers ourselves. Right, right. Exactly. And and I'm I'm sometimes hesitant to talk about, you know, general warning signs and, and things of that nature because it is so contextual and it is and it is so individualized. But you know, there there are these sort of general um trends that that in adults and kids could be explained by something else or it really could indicate that um, that we, we were needing some help. 
So let's talk about the next step. When we see that somebody we love is struggling, we recognize that we ourselves are struggling. What do we do next? How do we connect with help and resources here locally? Yeah, great question. And, you know, we're so grateful to have 988 in, in our, um, in our state and we, um, it is a national effort here in Oklahoma. We really have, have, have done a fantastic job with our, with our 988. Um, and so that's, we know that crises happen at all different times of day. So of course it's available, you know, 24 seven, um, they're experts in, you know, resources and, um, and just, and if there is actually a crisis happening, we have mobile crisis teams that we can send out. Um, so these are, this is a huge resource that we didn't have previously. Um, you know, our friends in law enforcement, 911, they do a, they do an amazing job. Um, and also there are things that, uh, maybe people don't necessarily want to engage with 911 about if it's a mental health um, type of type of crisis. So, so we have 988, and that is fantastic. Specifically for our parents, we have our youth care hotline, and um, the number is 833-885-CARE. C A R E. That's also 24/7. You can also text that line, and this is specifically. Everybody can call 988, you know, anytime. Um, but then we also have this specifically for our for our parents. And so there's also there's also a text line, and I can I can give you that information to put put along with this. It's um texting home to 741741. Um sometimes people these days are more comfortable texting something than um than uh, than calling and and you can do that with 988 as well, but um, I think you know within that social support network, as you mentioned, pediatrician, um, you know, um, if you're if you're if you have a church family, you know, people in your faith community, um, friends, um, other family members, you know, and then other times, um, so that can be helpful sometimes, and then other times. It's like, no, we, we need to, we need to reach out, you know, um, to some mental health professionals. And that's where, um, that that's where we come in. And, and my biggest message here is just to reach out sooner rather than later, you know, um, as parents, we know when something is, is off with, um, with, with one of our kids and, um, that, that desire for everything to be okay is there and that can be very strong and that can create some some hesitancy um but i would just say you know what's 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 the worst that can happen you know you consult with a mental health professional whether through 988 or if you know you or your spouse or partner work outside the home engaging with your employee assistance program if your place of work doesn't have an employee assistance program feel free to contact us here at the Department of Mental Health um, and, and our employee assistance program folks will be happy to help you out. Um, but, but what's the worst that can happen? You consult with a mental health professional and um, you're reassured that your child is going through this or that developmental stage. You gain some new 
um, coping tools for your for your toolbox. It's just so so much better to engage earlier rather than waiting uh, sooner rather than later, rather than waiting until we're in the throes of a crisis. Now we're here for you if that occurs too. Um, I just would encourage people to reach out sooner rather than, you know, sooner rather than later. I, um, a couple of things about 988 that really impressed me when I was first learning about it, um, were that it's not just for times of crisis. Certainly if you are, if you yourself are in a crisis or someone you love or you see in the community is in a crisis, obviously it's a great resource for that. But if you're just a concerned parent or a concerned friend, um, that wants some resources or wants to know, are these warning signs, um, it, it's also a great tool to prevent a crisis from happening. Um, yes. which is an important thing for people to remember. Um, and then too, like you said, there is a specific team that um, are skilled in working with youth. And I believe, MJ, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you can call or text 988 and get connected directly from there to yes. the services team. Yes. So I, I think... It's so important for parents to remember that this is available to you and that when you call or text, there's a whole team of people that is there ready and waiting who is skilled in dealing specifically with youth that can help you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. Absolutely. You, you, you are, you are not alone. It can, it can feel very isolating um, and there, you know, that can make all the difference, um, that can make all the difference in the world. In fact, I think the, the number is 92% of the calls that come into 988 are resolved with that phone call in order. We, we, we talk it through, we get connected with the resources that we need. Um, and, and, um, and then of course we have other calls where, you know, we do need to send out a mobile crisis team and, um, additional, you know, uh, treatment is needed like inpatient treatment or that sort of thing. But, um, but yes, to that, it is not, it is not solely a suicide hotline that it is, it is a, it is a resource to call at any time. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be for you. You can call, like I mentioned, for, mm -hmm. for your child, for a friend. Um, so I think that's important to remember too, that just loved ones on the periphery, that it's a, mm -hmm. a good place for us to go for resources as well. I want to talk about one of your areas of expertise, which is peer recovery support. How does this play an important role in mental wellness? Yeah. So for parents, I think when we say peers, we think about the friend group, we think about, um, you know, we think about our, our, our children's um, peers, but peer support is really all about um, a genuine connection between people with similar lived experience. So peer recovery support is something that's infused throughout our treatment system, and it really supports wellness insofar as, um, as a person in recovery myself from depression, anxiety, and trauma, you know, I'm 
I'm able to, to show someone who might be in the midst of a struggle with something similar that, um, that recovery is possible. So there's a real installation of hope that, that just automatically happens with that. And so we have peer recovery support specialists who are on treatment teams. And it's a, it's a movement that's really, um, that's really growing, um, not only within our state, but at the, at the national level. And, um, so it's something that I'm really passionate about and an example of, I think we could use more peer support in, you know, among our, our parents, because again, it can feel so isolating. It can feel like, am I, am I the only one? It seems like they have it together over here. Am I the only one who's, who's doesn't have it together? Um, and parents helping parents is a, is a group that exists in our community and they do fantastic work with, um, with parents with children or adult children who um, are uh, dealing with substance misuse. Um, that's an example of, you know, peer support um, in, in action. And um, so people might have, you know, you've probably heard the term lived experience. So it's all about people having lived experience with anything from, you know, mental health issues, being recovered from substance misuse to um, maybe I've interacted with our criminal justice system, or I've experienced homelessness in the past. And so um, really recognizing the value of that and that that is um, an expertise that people have and and just everything from program development to, um, like I said, in treatment settings, um, peer support is, is something that um, is a is is really impactful to um to overall wellness and and recovery it shows that you know recovery um is possible i love that and i think that's something that as a, a parent community we can do a better job of by just organically being willing to talk about some of our own vulnerabilities or what we are going through um so that we don't have the thing that you just said where we all look around thinking everybody else has this together and i do not um i think the more that we show that we are human and that we get overwhelmed and some of the things that we deal with in our lives, um, the better it is for, for all of us. So we're not, again, striving for that perfection that does not exist. Yeah, that's the big joke of it all is that no one actually has it together. Exactly. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. That's the inside, that's the inside scoop. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's right. Um, we've talked about 988. What other programs or resources do you most want families to be aware of that the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services offers? Yeah, I want to mention our Family Field Guide, and, and everybody can find that at familyfieldguide.org. It just has some great encouragement for parents. It's got some really super videos on there, as well as a whole host of resources and and, and information um, for, for all of our parents. So that's familyfieldguide.org. And it's um, I invite everyone to, to check it out. It's a fantastic resource. I have used it myself many times. So I highly recommend that. And I do wanna note too, that we have heard from a lot of families during the pandemic and still now that they are having trouble finding counselors or therapists for their kids that they're on, you know, mile long waiting lists. Um, so we know this is an issue. And I, going back to 988, that is something that parents could call 988 for as well, 
or get on your website and and find pretty immediate help for their kids that that need a therapist or need a counselor. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know that I I have gone through that struggle too of trying to find a therapist for my kids. I have lots of friends that have dealt with that over the past couple of years. So um, when I found out about that resource and that that was a possibility for parents, it was like a big sigh of relief. Um, Mm -hmm. So for parents who are looking for that, definitely connect with the department for those needs. MJ, as we close out our conversation today, what is your top tip for parents to prioritize our own mental health this month? My top tip is let's be a bit kinder to ourselves, just a bit, just a little bit kinder to ourselves, a little bit gentler with ourselves. Parents have the hardest job in the world. It is the hardest job. It is the most important job. It is the hardest job. And there's no instruction manual that comes with it. And it's, it's, it's constantly changing and we're modifying and we're adjusting and the stakes are high, right? Um, And so I think just easing up a little bit on ourselves. And I would love to see all of us do that um, in the month of May and in the months after that too. Um, But let's just try for the month of May. That's, that's, that's my top tip. I love it. And I feel like it was created, especially for me. And I think that all of our parent listeners are going to feel like that as well. Okay. My top priority for May being gentler with myself. And I think the benefit of that is when we're able to do that, then we're also able to be gentler with everybody around us too. That is a side benefit. Yes. Because I used to personally operate from a, from a place of, um, you know, I'm not any harder on anyone else than I am on myself. Um, but I was also at that time being really, really hard on myself. So (laughs) that is a nice side benefit is that when we're, when we're kinder to ourselves, we, it's, it's really fascinating how that works, but we are then in turn kinder to other people. I love that. It's a great focus for May and for the rest of the year too. Thanks so much for joining me today, MJ. This has been incredibly helpful and empowering for parents. Thank you, Erin. It was great talking with you and I do hope it's, I do hope it's helpful. This has been great. For our listeners, you can learn more about the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services and all of the incredible resources they offer at oklahoma.gov ODMHSAS. And like we talked about, Oklahoma's new mental health lifeline, 988, you can call or text 988 to receive free support for mental health crises or to prevent crises. Operators are licensed and certified health crisis specialists who answer calls, connect to, and can dispatch local services and mobile crisis teams 24-7. For more information about 988, visit 988oklahoma.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.